Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, Taz, we are so blessed to have our guest today. Our guest, yes, is Dan Millman. is a form, former world champion athlete, university coach, martial arts, instructor, and college professor. After an intensive 20-year spiritual quest, Dan's teachings found its form as the Peaceful Warrior's Way, expressed fully in his books and lectures. His work continues to evolve over time to meet the needs of the changing world. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, Dan's 13 books including Way of the Peaceful Warrior, have inspired and informed millions of readers in 29 languages worldwide. Wow. The feature film, Peaceful Warrior, by the way, I got to look at that last night. It just blew me away. Starring Nick Nolte, was adapted from Dan's first book, based upon incidents from his life. This movie captured my heart again for the second time around. (laughs) Uh, Much of Dan's time is devoted to writing and speaking. His keynotes, seminars, and workshops span the generations to influence men and women from all walks of life, including leaders in the field of health, psychology, education, business, politics, sports, and entertainment. Well, Taz, I can't believe it that we are actually with the peaceful warrior himself. Welcome, Dan, to our program. Well, hello, Paula and Taz. And after that great introduction, I should just ask if there are any questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I do have a question about your first book. Um, When you first sat down to write it, uh, it's actually an autobiography. could have been an autobiography based on your, your own personal journey. Did you start out thinking as a novel? Or did you sit down and uh, found out after writing it would be easier to make it a novel in order to expand um, your ideas? Well, uh, the answer goes back a little further. When when I was a young man, I was very much into self-improvement. I took memory courses and speed reading and martial arts and gymnastics and so on. Um, But one day it struck me that no matter how much I improved myself, only one person would benefit. But if I could influence other people that made my life somehow more exciting and meaningful so 
I, that was when I found my calling to teach or to influence other people, and, and I began teaching in the what I knew, which was sports, gymnastics. I coached at Stanford University for four years and did pretty well there. Um, and then I taught, uh, as you mentioned briefly, at, at Oberlin College uh, for about a couple of years uh, on the faculty there. And so I loved to teach, and but to influence people, to reach out. I left the college environment eventually because it felt too cloistered for me. I just had a sense, no prescience, you know, I just had a sense that I was going to reach out to a larger audience, so I had to learn something about writing and, and speaking eventually to do that. So I started shaping material. Uh, it began, what began as a series of gymnastics articles grew into a stack so high, I, I looked at it one day, I was walking by and I said, that looks almost like a, like a book manuscript. It had never occurred to me to actually write a full-length book at that time. And then I started, my interest expanded out of the realm of how to develop talent for sport to how do you develop talent for living. And that search uh, led me around the world. I studied with various mentors over an intensive decade at least. Um, and eventually that manuscript began to take shape. It shape-shifted numerous times, um, and it formed into something. All of that I'd learned and intuited and wanted to share with people, and it was more of a it was more of a nonfiction book, just with some information and ideas. But in a, in an inspired final draft, I decided to make it into more of a narrative, and I drew upon my own life experiences. Uh, it was my first book, after all. I wasn't making up a novel. So, for to answer your question, I've come roundabout, but I think it provides a context. Um, so, to write that book, to say it's a novel would not be true because there there's much based on real events, uh, autobiographical information from my young life. Um, but to say it's a memoir, which would be a nonfiction, wouldn't be true either. So it blends fact and some fictional elements for the sake of story and teaching um, in order to do that. So Way of the Peaceful Warrior, my, my first, uh, my signature book, um, really is, is that blend. Um, you know, Picasso once said, art is a lie that helps us to see the truth. And I don't know if it's art, but uh, I wanted to share with people I did it in that form, and I never could have predicted what would happen after that. I thought a few college students might like the book, but of course it's gotten around for the last three decades since then. 29 and, languages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, developed really full. <laughs> All right, so when you're looking at doing this book, what is the biggest message that you got in your life that you needed to follow through and that made the biggest difference in your life? Well, you know, I wish I could say there was one message. We're all looking. Remember that from that, uh, um, what was it called, City Slickers, uh, Billy Crystal movie, when Jack Palance says there's one thing? Well, yeah. I've never found one thing. As much as we all might like you know, one-stop spiritual shopping, uh, the one thing, whether it's living in the present moment, you know, many people assume that, or mindfulness, that's become a very popular term, um, or, or the brain research people are doing, or love, you know, it could be argued that whatever the question, love is the answer. So we could try to find one thing that would be the key to everything else. But I found that's why I found it necessary to write. Actually, it's been uh, 16 books so far. Um, not, and I never wrote a book just to write another book. You know, after Way of the Peaceful Warrior, I didn't write another book for 10 years because I felt I hadn't really I'd said what I had to share. But then, oh, around 1990, all of a sudden, lots of new information came in, 
different mentors. I was very excited. And then it's been almost a, a book a year since then because the book has to justify itself for me to actually sit down and write it. So, um, you know, there was a man named Stanislaw J. Leck who wrote a book called Unkempt Thoughts. Uh, and he wrote this while he was in a concentration camp during World War II. And one of the wonderful quotes from his book, he said, I wanted to tell the world just one word. He said, unable to do that, I became a writer. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I became a writer too. Uh, I couldn't share just one word, but I've articulated as clearly as I can certain key areas of life. In one of my books, I talk about 12 gateways to personal growth which are really the 12 courses we're all taking in everyday life, whether we know it or not, consciously or not. Uh, another book covers, it happens to be 12 again, uh, Spiritual Laws. It's a small book called The Laws of Spirit, in which I meet an ageless woman sage up in the mountains, and she teaches me spiritual laws and how to apply them. And I'm actually going to be, uh, I'm going to be sharing those laws in a workshop at the uh, Conscious Life Expo uh, coming up uh, this weekend on Monday, actually, on the holiday day, President's Day, uh, from noon to 2.30, I'm going to be teaching a workshop about harnessing the power of spiritual laws. So you see, there are so many, uh, and, and even the, among the spiritual laws, which is most important? Would the law of balance be more important than the law of process, or the law of presence, or the law of unity? They're all important. So, you know, if I, if I had to, I often at the end of a show or end of an interview, people say, well, what's the one thing if you were to tell people you want to share with them? And usually I just come up with something um, not bad, self-trust, you know, trusting our process. So many times we second-guess ourselves. You know, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I wish I had. I wish I hadn't. And instead of just trusting the process of our life, it's going to be unique as it unfolds and addressing what we need to. So, but that's not the one thing. It's only one of many important things that we address moment to moment in our everyday life. And I'll try not to be so wordy and give you more of a chance to ask some more questions. <laughs> well, I was just thinking well, yeah. the presence, you know, being present in the moment is just, we kind of forget to be present in the moment. I, you know, we just kind of go through our steps. And so I was kind of looking at that because when, when I was looking at, the movie and just looking I didn't get a chance to read the book but it was like being present in the moment and really paying attention um, and maybe mm -hmm. you know experiencing that moment for what it for what it was and not making a judgment about it just allowing it to be present and um, we're, we're, we're always evolving I mean constantly and um even the way of the peaceful warrior evolved. <laughs> you went in and revised it, and you said something about the early life of the book, the death, and then the rebirth. Could you explain a little bit about that? Now, that's very interesting you bring this up at this time. Um, you know, when people ask me, what's your favorite book, it's usually the one I'm working on, because that's what I'm immersed in at the moment. And I am about to begin, I just finished a book, um, with my daughter, a collaboration, and frankly, she really contributed even more than I did. She's quite brilliant. Um, it's called The Creative Compass, but it's about creativity through writing, uh, though it could apply to any creative endeavor. Well, now that that book is essentially complete, we turned it into the publisher, I am going to be starting on the third and final book uh, in the Peaceful Warrior series called The Hidden School. 
and it's it's the final adventures that actually prepared me for the death and rebirth experience as described at the end of Way of the Peaceful Warrior. So I'm clearly not prepared to talk a lot about that now. It's too soon. I'm, I haven't. I've just barely begun uh, dreaming the book, um, much less writing it. So, uh, but that that idea, in a sense, you know, we could say uh, poetically, metaphorically, that we're being we're dying and being reborn every moment. Uh, every moment is a new moment, whether we uh, realize that or not. Um, so that's happening all the time, but there are also more significant moments in our lives in which uh, there feels like a death and rebirth. For example, when we go to sleep at night. We go to sleep, we visit the bardo, the space between lives, and we call it dreaming. Um, and then the next day we stretch, wake up, open our eyes, and start a new day, a new life. Uh, you know that old cliche from the 60s, today is the first day of the rest of your life? But it's so true. It's so true. Yes, there are carryovers. There's karmas from the past. Something we said to someone yesterday may have impact what we do today. So there, there is. But in the same way, if one likes reincarnational, you know, type talks, we could say that we're having influences from something that happened in the past uh, through this life as well. So uh, it's wonderful to talk about these things because it reminds us of the the mystery and, and kind of magic that that our life is that we consider mundane when we're not paying attention. I know life is magic. It really is, and I think we're so lucky to be alive um, during this time of constant change. Well, there's of course always been been change. Uh, one Buddhist sage described. Uh, he told a story about a, a turtle, a giant sea turtle, that uh, swam in the depths of the sea all year, but. Uh, in fact, not only all year, not only all decade, but for a century, he remained underwater. This is sort of a magic turtle. And every century, every hundred years, that turtle came up just once, poked its head above the water, looked around in one of the oceans of the world, and then ducked down again. Now, the, the sage said, what if there were a wooden ring, like a wooden donut, a large wooden donut or ring, floating on somewhere, a speck in one of the oceans of the world. And he asked us to contemplate, what are the odds that that turtle who comes up once every hundred years would just happen to poke his head up through the very center of that wooden ring that happened to be floating somewhere on the planet? Well, if I were to ask you that, you'd probably say the odds are infinitesimally small, right? Right. Well, as he claimed, the odds of being born a human being on planet Earth are much less than that. So the fact that each one of us, each of your listeners, and you and I, that we were born as a human being on this little speck in the infinite universe, uh, rather than a rock or you know a bit of star matter somewhere, uh, the fact that we were born here is against every kind of statistic or odd. Um, so it's good to, again, contemplate this now and then, even as we address the, the duties and the everyday tasks uh, of daily life, to remember that bigger picture and, and the gift of life we have. 
Well, when I was viewing the movie last night, let me tell you, I um, the very first comment that came out um, that Nick Nolte brought forward was, take out the trash in your brain. <laughs> Anything that doesn't matter, uh, nothing matters here or now. I mean, it's like, take it out. And I thought that was very... Um, that was such a great statement. Well, yeah, I, I'm glad I have a chance maybe to address that statement a little bit. Because that okay. actually, some of the lines in the movie were not in the book. Um, and that one was in the book. He tells me to take out the garbage, you know, because I'm doing a lot of chores at that point around the gas station. Yeah. And I said, I just took it out a few minutes ago, didn't you see? And he said, I'm not talking about that garbage. Um, <laughs> and then he, he tapped me on the head. Um, but, I, you know, I found it necessary when the movie was first released in 2006 and then by Universal Pictures in 2007, I found it necessary to write a book. In fact, I felt compelled in an urgent uh, sense to write a book called Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior. It's a, a companion book to my first book, and it was especially for those people who only saw the movie. Because the movie was written by a screenwriter, uh, and it took some lines from the book, but it was that person's own ideas about what would be good and spiritual, and some of them were very nice. Um, um, you know, that line of uh, those who are the hardest to love are the ones who need it the most. That's a lovely line from the movie. I didn't write it, but it's it's a, quite a nice line. And there were scenes in the movie, a couple of them, that were different from the book, which I loved. Like when the thugs, you know, are trying to rob Dan and Socrates, and what happens is different from what happened in the book. Um but I have to say, most of the time, when a book is translated to film, usually the book is better. It's more complete. It's more nuanced. In the case of Peaceful Warrior, the book it has far more, far more information than the movie. Uh, the movie is about the uh, kind of semi-awakening of a young athlete so he can you know, win a championship, so that sort of thing, and, and understand life better. Whereas the entire Enlightenment experience, death and rebirth, were, were uh, not really covered they were intending maybe to do a sequel sometime to the movie. Whether that happens, we will we will see. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw The Life of Pi, a new movie playing now. In that case, the movie actually I thought was better than the book. But for the most part, most people would agree that books are usually better than the movie if they've seen the movie and read the book. And in the case of Peaceful Warrior, that line about taking out the trash, so many people misunderstand it. And that's why I felt compelled to write Wisdom of the Peaceful Warrior to really explain what the book was about from a vantage point a quarter century after I first wrote the book uh, to help people understand what those teachings really were about. It's not about emptying our mind, you know, the idea of if we meditate long enough, we'll have a clear mind, no thoughts, uh, and so on. It, it doesn't work like that. Thoughts continue to arise. They're as natural as dreams. We're not trying to stop dreaming uh, Sometimes we remember them, sometimes we don't. But thoughts arise naturally. We just need to see them for what they are, a kind of illusion, and not mistake them for real life so we don't get upset because we had a certain thought about something. It's not happening. That's why Mark Twain once said, uh, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. <laughs> I know. You know, I have journaled in my uh, lifetime, and I look back on my journals, and I think I was worried about that. You I know, mean, it's like when you step away from it, it's not. 
that worrisome. Uh, and it's, it's, I think that's about trash. I mean, your, your your thoughts go over and over again about something that's so small, and it's, it's you know it's not important, but we we make it important. Exactly, exactly. We 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 give too much weight to what we have little control over. These arising thoughts that come into our field of awareness, emotions pass like the weather. I got that line into the movie at the last minute. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, they arise, and, but we we can't control these things. If we could control what we felt, if we could will ourselves to feel a particular thing, uh, then, gee, my seminars would all be very short. I'd just say, hey, everybody, I recommend you will yourself to feel happy the rest of your life. Thank you for coming. <laughs> but um, feelings come and go without our direct control. Uh, we, they give us information. It's good to notice. Uh, for example, if somebody's miserable in a certain situation for a long time, they should take notice of that. It might, like, there might be some valuable information there. But emotions aren't meant to run our lives, make our decisions for us, nor are the passing thoughts. Um, I just need to explain that, too. We have the ability to think about things, to write poetry, solve math problems, remember grocery lists. Uh, the mind is a great tool, but it's the discursive thoughts, those random, unbidden just things pop into our mind that register as moods. Uh, that We shouldn't have done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, what am I going to do about this meeting coming up? All the past and future stuff. That is, uh, I no longer call it trash, but it, it is. these are thoughts we need to see for what they are. They're illusory. Uh, they're not in real life. They're, they're part of subjective, this inner world. Uh, that's why Barbara Rasp, a writer, once said, the lesson is simple. The student is complicated. Well, I want to mention to our listeners, uh, uh, your website uh, is uh, peacefulwarrior.com. And I, it's, I, the, the best part of that website to me, I mean, one of the best parts, is you explain the books and how to use them. And um, I think this is a very important in fact, while I was looking at your website, I, I'm in a book club, and I thought, I am going to introduce your books to the book club, and we could study them. So uh, there's a lot of information in your website that can help people. Um, you know, oh, well, pinpoint- thank you. I'm so pleased by that. You actually really did a pretty good look to even find that, that link about Dan's books. Um, yeah, where I do actually give a chronology of how they were written, why, and what each one uh, is uh, necessary, you know, uh, that they can help with different facets of life. So you actually did some research. I, I appreciate that. Um, and by the way, uh, at the website, PeacefulWarrior.com, um, something your listeners might enjoy is there is a link there uh, right on the homepage called Life Purpose. And if people click on that link, it takes them right to a free Life Purpose Calculator. And all they have to do is put in their date of birth, their year, month, and day of birth, and they'll immediately see a number. Now, the number won't mean too much to them, but it also has a, a teaser, a paragraph, a, sort of a taste of some key elements on their hidden life path, their hidden calling, what they're really here to do through their relationships and work and children and, and uh, financial issues, what they're really here to learn. So um, that is another... Uh, Thing, uh, service we offer at the website peacefulwarrior.com so I appreciate you bringing it up so it sounds like you've studied numerology well it's funny you mention that because I've never really 
personally, I hadn't a uh, strong interest in numerology. Uh, I, I just glanced at a few numerology books in, in the uh, out of curiosity in the bookstores or library. Um, and, and to me, it seemed that there were so many things, your soul path, your destiny path, and all these paths, and your name, and changing it to numbers, and then analyzing the numbers. Uh, it, it seemed to me about maybe 40%. There was something there, but um, it didn't really sing for me. But then, uh, in the early 1980s, I met a rather unusual mentor. I will write about him someday, along with some of my other mentors, uh, in a, uh, finally in a, in a real memoir down uh, down the line, maybe in a, a couple of years. Uh, and this, this man, uh, I call him the warrior priest, but he uh, conveyed in a series of lectures that had advanced training for me and a few other people um, a system that was more accurate, uh, the interpretation of you working with the date of birth more accurate than other systems I had seen. And there was a long story behind that, but I began working with it, uh, doing readings for people, uh, and I was so overwhelmed that I finally started doing it by audio tapes because I couldn't handle people individually. Um, I made a series of library of tapes based on people's date of birth, and uh, then finally wrote the book, The Life You Were Born to Live, which many of your listeners may have heard of. It's probably my second most popular book. Uh, about a million copies, I guess, in print now all around the world. So The Life You Were Born to Live goes into um, how to find that hidden calling, which that little, you know, there's a Life Purpose app as well. Anybody who has a phone or a device that can get apps, iPhone or Android, um, that app gives all information, all access to not only their life path, but their children's, their parents, their friends, colleagues, uh, it helps us to have compassion for ourselves and other people to see that we all are climbing a mountain via our own different uh, path. Well, um, we want to let people know that you're going to be in Los Angeles this coming weekend um, at the Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo, and you'll be speaking on Sunday at 4 p.m., and then on Monday you're going to have your workshop well, so, let me interrupt, uh, because as far as I know, I sure hope I'm right, um, I believe I'm speaking 6 to 7.30 p.m. on Sunday. So I'm giving a talk Sunday night, 6 to 7.30 uh, p.m., and then on Monday I will be doing a two-and-a-half-hour workshop on spiritual laws uh, from noon to 2.30. So I certainly hope I've got that right, that it is 6 p.m. on Sunday evening. Okay. Also, you're going to be in our neck of woods, uh, Mount Madonna, uh, oh, yeah. April 26th, uh, that weekend. Yes. And so our listening audience, uh, we're in the Bay Area, so that's good to let them know. And what's, what is the uh, workshop on that weekend? Um, yeah, well, the workshop actually is a rather unusual one. Um, I, it's called the Peaceful Warrior Experience, and what... Um, What's different about it, and yes, it's going to be the weekend, Friday night, and then Saturday all day, and then Sunday morning um, at Mount Madonna. It's it's going to be entirely uh, shaped around what the people who show up need. So rather than a PowerPoint presentation, which I've never given anyway, uh, or a list of bulleted points that I'm pre-planned, I'd rather spontaneously find out from people what issues they're interested in and then we get into them. Because at this point in time, I've been teaching for so long, 
uh, I'm kind of a re- repository, a popcorn brain of different topics we can get into uh, from every aspect of life, from the mundane to the transcendental. And so we'll be able to cover uh, an immense amount of material uh, in direct response to what people would like to hear. And it's worked out very well in the past. It's, the time has flown. And it doesn't mean just lecture. We, we're going to do, uh, you know, I come up with exercises people can do of various kinds, partner, small group. So I, I'm looking forward to this very much because I, I finally reached a point. That's how I like to teach. And as a matter of fact, my talk um, at the Conscious Living Expo on Sunday will be uh, in the same manner. Uh, we'll get into what would you like to cover. I'll have a few introductory remarks. But uh, there are so many things I can do a, a week-long workshop to the 12 gateways to personal growth or, or on spiritual laws, which will be on Monday. Um, there are so many things t- to address. Why don't I do it in response to what people would like to address? So that's, that's how I'm working more and more these days. And don't you find it interesting, uh, the groups that come together uh, all have uh, similar themes or when I go into groups, I, I can see that we've come together as a group for a purpose. Yes. And, and teaching that way is, uh, would be very interesting because uh, the, groups, the group itself has a personality. It does. Everyone is different. But I'll tell you, the best thing about my workshops and seminars are the people who show up to them. Some very interesting people. We almost always get an equal number of men and women. Uh, which has been true for 30 years. It's very balanced, you know, peaceful warrior, peaceful heart, warrior spirit. Um, and, yeah, a lot of bright people. Uh, one organizer once said after seeing my group, they said, you know, Dan, you're, people come to your events. We get a lot of events. And yours don't seem quite as neurotic as most people. <laughs> so I thought that was a compliment. <laughs> That's funny. And, oh, I something exciting to me is when uh, I saw... You're going to be back at Mount Madonna in November teaching uh, writing. With my daughter, which uh, is just a labor of love. Um, yes, I have an extremely uh, uh, capable uh, daughter who is a professional journalist, lived in Beirut, Lebanon, speaks fluent Arabic, um, Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford. You know, I mean, she's just very, very bright person and uh, strong educational foundation. Uh, and, and in a way, I've been her mentor since she was a, a young girl in writing. So we wrote this book together, The Creative Compass, and it's going to be about creativity, um, but through the motif of writing. And it's bound to be quite a stimulating uh, uh, weekend. Yeah, that's going to be in November, uh, the two of us. Yeah. Oh, wow. That that excites me. I, mean, I yeah. might join you. That would be fun. <laughs> well, um you said that in each interview, people ask you if there's one thing to to leave for our uh, listeners. What would you say? Well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me uh, uh, do this. I'd like to read you something. I know that's kind of not always good on the air, but I'd like to read you something. Um, uh, let me find it right here. Okay, here it is. This is from the very end of a book I wrote called The Journeys of Socrates, which is the life story of my old mentor. For people who asked, you know, did he have teachers? Who was he? So this is what he, from his journal, and this is what he learned through very difficult life that I uh, write about in the book. 
He said, when I was young, I believed that life might unfold in an orderly way, according to my hopes and expectations. But now I understand that the way winds like a river, always changing ever onward, following God's gravity toward the great sea of being. My journey is revealed that the way itself creates the warrior, that every path eventually leads to peace and every choice to wisdom, and that life has always been and will always be arising in mystery. Wow. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, we want to let our uh, listeners know to hop on Dan Millman's website, peacefulwarrior.com, and uh, join him in Los Angeles this coming weekend uh, at the Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo that's going to be at the LAX uh, Hilton. And uh, so we thank you so much for being with us today. And it's been a pleasure. Yes, it has been for us and our listeners. So thank you. And have a great weekend in Los Angeles. Thank you. Good journey. Take care. Bye-bye.